1: Ladies and gentlemen, good morning. Happy Monday. Uh, I hope that everyone's week is off to a great start. I hope that you had a chance to get out this past weekend, uh, do some bird hunting, some uh, duck hunting, some whitetail hunting, of course, um, and just got to uh, get out and enjoy Michigan. This is the Michigan Wild Podcast, and I'm your host, Marcus Ewing. All right, today on the podcast, I got a good one for you. I am joined by Pat Casey, and Pat is... Pat's a regular dude. Pat's just like just like me, just like a lot of you listening. Um, Pat and I know each other through a mutual friend. Um, I've known Pat uh, for about past three years or so, um, but uh, today we got to to talk about the deer camp experience, uh, something that uh, you know us us Michiganders know well, the deer camp traditions. Um, typically, you know, when we talk about deer camp, uh, we're talking about you know, like opening day rifle season, maybe Thanksgiving, uh, but typically something that we're doing with family and friends. Uh, it's just almost um, like a rite of passage uh, for a lot of hunters um, in Michigan. Uh, but we kind of—I don't want to say flip it on its head—but Pat recently um, partook in um, a deer camp experience uh, put on by some friends of his. Uh, uh, in, well, they did it in mid Michigan. Um, but they, he, Pat does a good job of explaining how it all came together, but, uh, they did essentially, a, an archery deer camp. Um, they had maybe a handful of guys who came in from out of state, um, that had never really had the chance to experience, um, you know, the traditional deer camp. So they get to, um, you know, spend, um, I think it was four days, um, you know, archery hunting, uh, public land here in Michigan, and and just really kind of living out the whole deer camp experience. Um, so Pat, you know, talks about that, talks about, um, you know, what he just did, uh, from a hunting standpoint, uh, with one of his buddies this past weekend and kind of what that looked like, uh, again, kind of a mini deer camp experience. So really that's kind of the the main theme. And then we also get to talk about, uh, a recent, um, elk hunting trip, um, that pat and our mutual friend brad uh took out to colorado earlier this fall so i mean pat and i talked for yeah, a good hour maybe a little bit more um and we could have easily went for another hour uh pat's just one of those guys that talked to him for five minutes and feels like he known him your whole life just i mean he's he's a youper so he's like salt of the earth so um an episode that you guys are really gonna enjoy and, and we're talking deer hunting um and we're mid-october so hopefully Gives you guys a little something to uh, stay excited about getting out there. um, get you through kind of that uh, October lull, as they say. And uh, keep you fired up for uh, the pre-rut and the rut coming up here down the road. So, episode 8 with Pat Casey. Enjoy, everybody. All right. Pat Casey, welcome to the podcast, man. How are you tonight?
0: Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. How are you doing, Marcus?
1: Hey, man. I'm hanging in there. It's... uh, You know so these episodes drop on mondays so it's always like super tough because i always want to try and be kind of as current as possible like with conversations and with topics i mean especially during deer season here right so it's hard because i i like to try to get my episode done by like friday saturday at the latest but then if i'm done by saturday that still leaves potentially saturday i've been hunting or whoever my guest is going to be has been hunting and then there's Sunday, so this actually works out well because you spent a weekend. I think you said last weekend, this weekend you were you were out hunting. So I'm putting this together at the last possible minute, but I think it's going to be good because we should have a ton to talk about.
0: Oh, for sure, yeah. Now it's going to be crunch time for you to get it all edited and put out tomorrow.
1: <laughs> yeah. So fingers crossed. As long as we don't have any big like audio disruptions, we should be good to go. The editing part should be should be pretty uh, pretty smooth. As again, as long as all all goes according to plan here the next you know 45 minutes or so nice so <clears throat> pat before we get started man um tell the listeners a bit about yourself man
0: oh where do i begin <laughs> uh, all the way yeah, at the beginning
1: so,
0: right <laughs> so i was born no um actually i uh i grew up in the in the up on the west end of the up in Kingsford. Um, a lot of people know where Iron Mountain is, so if you tell them Iron Mountain, they, they normally get that, but it's actually Kingsford because you say Kingsford only because we always had the, the big football rivalry with, with Iron Mountain, our crosstown rival, so I have to say Kingsford, but, uh, yeah, I grew up up there. Um, went to high school at Kingsford. Um, ended up going to college up in, uh, up in Houghton at uh, Michigan Tech. So, oh uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I grew up hunting and fishing and and bird hunting, um, my whole life up there, and and it's crazy because I really only gun hunted growing up because my dad never bow hunted. He gun hunted a little bit here and there, um, but most of my actual deer hunting experience i i learned a lot from my uncle and i just gun hunted and i didn't start bow hunting until i graduated college and i moved to the thumb for my first job and that's i didn't start bow hunting until i was 24 25 okay so yeah i mean i've i've really only been bow hunting like 16 years um but i've I've gotten pretty big into that and I almost don't gun hunt as much anymore. Um, only because down here, I mean, I live over in grand Rapids, just North of grand Rapids. And man, you get, if you don't have a piece of private to hunt on and you try, you try going on on the state land during gun season, it's like orange army. Cause it's, <laughs> it's just crazy.
1: Yeah. You know, it's funny because I didn't start bow hunting until after college as well. And it's almost like as I've gotten older, like gun season has just become more about the tradition of doing it as opposed to like actually hunting hard during rifle season. And that's, and that, you know, and I have, you know, private land that I hunt, but you know, with opening day, obviously some week or some years it's on a weekend. Some years it's like this year, I think it's opening day is what a Tuesday or something like that. Yeah, I so, think so, yeah, so I likely will not be hunting opening day this year. Uh, I'll probably be hunting that weekend and again that's just more tradition right like I just I don't have and you know with rifle season only being you know two weeks long or you know something somewhere around that like it's it's just hard to put any real time into it it's almost like you know you grind it out through bow season and then you get to gun season you're like all right well the odds are a little bit more in my favor now because everything that you were seeing across the field or was just out of range, like now it's everything is, is for the most part, fair game. Right. And it's, it almost feels like a backup plan, right?
0: Pretty much. Yeah. Um, I definitely feel on that too. And I think the, the other reason I got into bow hunting was I'm like, man, I get an extra six weeks to actually be outside and, hunt deer and do something that I love to do. And then on top of that, after, after a few years of like learning how to bull hunt and working on my own stuff and, and, and all of that, like, that's when I started hunting out West for elk. So it kind of gave you an extra, an extra opportunity, but no, like you said, the rifle hunting was like the tradition part. I mean, having having a place to go and experience deer camp with all the guys that were older than me and and learning things from from my grandpa maybe learning some of the things i might have learned probably weren't too good at camp <laughs> yeah. but
1: same it was, here it was
0: deer it was deer camp and um i mean it was just great growing up like that and um having that tradition every year was was awesome
1: yeah and i'm sure in I I got to believe the UP was the same. So I grew up in Northern, lower Michigan, rural, small rural community. So, you know, if, if opening day was on a, like a school day, we had school off, right? right? Because yep. yeah, so many people, you know, w- with that rural community, like so many people are like standing at the bus stop, like in, you know, before it's dark or before it's light out or like right at first light. And they're just like, yeah, we're not taking that chance. Like, let just stay home from school today, guys.
0: <laughs> or it was always the uh, inevitable. I would just have my mom call in and uh, be like, yeah, Pat's going to be sick uh, the next couple days. He has the flu, so <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's uh, it's funny, Mrs. Casey. Your son seems to come down with the flu around the same time every single year.
0: <laughs> yeah, and so was the rest of the school.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, that was. It's interesting to like look back now at like. W- what I guess was like, and maybe it's just like the small community, right? Like what was like socially acceptable, right? Like, cause I swear that there were times where like people would roll into school with like a deer in the bed of their truck, right? Like they would hunt the morning <laughs> you know, if they were like, you know, I'm talking like once you're in high school, right. And you right. know, like some of the upperclassmen, like juniors, seniors who maybe, you know, didn't have like, they could blow off first period or something like that. And they would come and they, you know, they'd hunt for like an hour or two in the morning coming to school and like that was like if someone got if someone got a deer like it was a big thing like people were going out to the parking lot between classes or like if you had a teacher that hunted he'd be like all right let's go outside and you know see so and so's deer in the back of their truck like it's just I just can't imagine like where I live now that like being a a normal thing
0: oh no I mean with the times now it's so different I mean we would always we, we would always have shotgun in the truck and go grouse hunt after school sometimes. And yep. it was the same way too, where <clears throat> like my drafting teacher, he always ran a buck pool um, every rifle season for, for the guys that, that hunted in class. And nowadays, I mean, I don't know if you really get that anymore. And like the same thing with the camp experience, like, I don't think there's a lot of people that really do the deer camp much anymore. And I think last weekend, um, I don't know if we're getting ahead of ourselves here, but we we did that uh, archery camp up in, uh, up in Baldwin and some guys from out of state came to it and a lot of them had never done a deer camp before just because there wasn't either wasn't the property or their families didn't do it. Um I think there was even one guy who didn't know what a buck pole was.
1: Oh jeez. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so I mean, is a good time any. So tell me about cuz I know you you spent last weekend uh at one deer camp like you just mentioned and then uh this weekend um you just got home today hunting with a buddy for the weekend. So take me back to last weekend. What was kind of what was that all about? You know, how many guys did you have in camp, you know? Were you guys successful? What did all that look like?
0: So that was uh, that was a great weekend. Um, so there's uh, a couple buddies of mine run the Bull Hunter Chronicles podcast over there in Muskegon. Okay. And Adam uh, Adam Miller is one of the guys there. And there's a, a Patreon group. So <clears throat> if you're a, a Patreon member, he wanted to throw together a bow camp for patreon members so it kind of just started as an idea about wanting to do this in michigan um he has he has a little chunk of property um just a lot up in up in baldwin and he wanted to do it up there and just we just kind of got the ball rolling and a lot of guys from out of state said they wanted to come so things kind of got pretty serious and we picked a weekend um and just started planning from there and we ended up actually getting i think there were 25 guys hunting wow that's a good that's a good number yeah yeah it was it was a really good turnout um so we did it thursday friday saturday sunday and we had we had one guy from iowa a couple from illinois one from texas um, another guy from Rhode Island and another one from Pennsylvania that came from out of state.
1: Oh, wow. That's all over the place, man. Especially what's hard to believe for me is like guys coming from like Iowa or Illinois, right. That, you know, these, you know, kind of quote unquote big buck States, right. Or like, I mean, Iowa, you know, most people kind of consider that like the Mecca of whitetail hunting. Right. And here you are coming to like mid Michigan, right? Like, ah, oh, let's see what we can <laughs> knock over in Michigan. eh?
0: I know. yeah, yeah. That's, And that's the thing. Like, I think a couple guys were buying tags the day that they got up there and I ended up rolling in there Wednesday night after work and I was kind of the, the camp mom I guess you could say and um it was just me and a few guys there that first night and the one guy went to buy tags from Iowa and the the clerk at the gas station was like why are you hunting deer in Michigan coming from Iowa? That's crazy. <laughs> That's a fair question. It's a fair yeah, question. No. Yeah but it was more like the guys coming from out of state, they wanted to experience the deer camp life. Um, they wanted to hunt out of state and then at the same time kind of supported the podcast too. Um, I mean, we had a really great group of guys. Um, I think we ended up having like eight fifth wheels, uh, trailers. And then I brought my canvas tent uh, that I set up and another guy brought a, brought a wall tent. So kind of having that, that really big camp atmosphere was was really cool. Um, I did end up going, me and a couple guys went up there a few weeks beforehand. Like we went up one weekend in August and just did some scouting because we were, we were hunting the, uh, forest service property up there.
1: Okay.
0: And we went up just to walk around and it's so tough. I mean, when everything's so green, I mean, you can kind of get an idea if you can find some old rubs or maybe an old scrape if you're lucky. Um, but at least you can, you can kind of find out where they're walking through, even though their patterns are probably going to be different come October 1st. So we did that one weekend and then I went up there another weekend after I got back from Colorado and, just did another quick scouting Michigan or yeah, mission in Michigan. Um, So just, we wanted an idea. Like I wasn't, a lot of the Michigan guys weren't really so hung up on shooting a deer because we wanted the out of state guys to at least go home with something. If, if we could do that. And we ended up hunting kind of in groups of two or groups of three and would like spread out in certain areas that we have picked out on, on the map. So we're using like Onyx and some guys were using Spartan Forge and base map and you're doing your e-scouting kind of picking spots where you'd think you'd like to go. But I mean, even that's hard in the big woods. I mean, you can, you can scout from a bird's eye view, but once you get boots on the ground, I mean,
1: it could be totally different.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, just the being able to see the terrain with your eyes and what trees are there and where the terrain breaks are. I mean, it could be night and day difference.
1: Yeah, well, that's what I was going to ask. I mean, with, <clears throat> you know, I, I got to imagine, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but there's a certain amount of guys that were there, especially from Michigan, that maybe either knew each other or knew of each other enough to, like, be like, oh, hey, Pat, like, You know, nice to put a name with a face type thing. But then with those out of state guys, which, you know, there's probably been, you know, very little, um, you know, correspondence with other than like, hey, you know, I'm interested in coming, you know, for the deer camp, you know, exchange information, talk on the phone a few times. But how was that like, you know, bringing in, you know, a bunch of a bunch of people that didn't know each other?
0: Well, it's funny because I don't know if you ever heard of the, the phone app Marco Polo at all.
1: I have not I don't know if that's like dating myself as far as how old I am, but I'm not familiar with it no
0: well it's funny because i I never heard about it until um, Adam actually started started this app with the the patreon group so it's literally kind of like a snapchat thing where you can just record a quick video and post it on the app so everybody gets to read it and they can chime in and stuff so most of the guys that were coming we're on that app so you at least knew what they looked like um but then like when you showed up you're like man you're a lot shorter than what i thought you were <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it was it was kind of cool because i mean we'd we'd been interacting with each other for i mean a good six months just on using this app and I mean, it was, it was really cool to see, see the guys. And the best part was about the whole weekend, even though we did get lucky. um, And I think we, there were four guys that shot five deer the last night of camp. Um, It was like getting together with a group of your high school or college buddies that you haven't seen in like 10 or 15 years. Oh, that's a good vibe right there.
1: That's a good vibe. Oh Yeah.
0: Like nobody was crazy. Every, I mean, <laughs> we're all we're all grown men here, and even though I was probably one of the old ones in the group, but um, it, I mean, it was. I mean, it was like getting together with your buddies, and I I hadn't met ninety five percent of these guys before, so just having that, and then sitting by the campfire at night and telling stories and talking about old hunts that you did back in the day, and um setting up a plan for the next day or two i mean it was it was pretty awesome and it was a, a lot of the guys from out of state i mean they had a really good time especially for their first like deer camp experience too so it was it was pretty good
1: well yeah i mean that's what the the things that you just talked about there like kind of reminiscing on old stories talking about the 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 next day or recapping the day that you just had i mean that's deer camp right there, right? Like sharing, you know, that that camaraderie. Like that's to me, that's what deer camp's all about. And it's it's almost a shame that well, one, like you said, that you know, a lot of those out of state guys hadn't experienced that. And and I don't know if it's just like a, a Michigan thing or a Midwest thing, like with deer camp. But it's you you also only see it more like during gun season. Right. Like you don't tend to, at least I've never really been a part of like deer camp during bow season. Right. Like for me, bow season has always been more like a weekend type thing, you know, or as you get later in October into November, you know, you're, you're basing a lot of the time that you can get out, um, on what the weather's doing. You know, like you, know, you start to kind of play that game, like what's the wind doing, what spots you want to get into all that good stuff, but you don't really, um, yeah, you don't really see the deer camp during, during archery season.
0: No, you don't. Like, this was literally my first archery deer camp I had ever done before. Um, mostly because I think, like you said, like, it might be you and another buddy or maybe two other friends going out on the weekend. Or you're talking to some of your other buddies that bow hunt. But it's it seems to be more of a solitary kind of thing for the most part. Yeah. And, yeah, like, gun season... Between Wisconsin and, and Michigan, it, it seems like those were those were the times for the the deer camp was during gun season, and you only had the two weeks. So normally, I mean, you might get I could usually finagle four or five days, um, and then you had Thanksgiving in there too, so you could you could go back to camp during that time frame too. But um, yeah, it's, for whatever reason, it, it mostly just seemed seem to be like a gun a gun thing. Yeah,
1: and I think probably for a couple of reasons as I'm kind of like thinking about it here like one a lot more people especially like in areas where we grew up have rifles as opposed to bows, right? Like it was, it was almost like a rite of passage, right? Like whether it was your dad or your grandpa or your uncle, like passed down an old, like 30 odd six or a two seventy or something like that, that, you know, they had been using for like 40 years or something like that. And they're like, here you go. Youngster, like, here's your first gun. Like, yeah, like that that whole kind of tradition thing that comes along with it. And, you know, when it comes to like rifle hunting, like, yeah, you still want to do the right things in terms from uh, in terms of like you know you you want to you know play the wind but you can get away with a heck of a lot more mistakes during rifle season than you can with archery season
0: right oh i had to i had to learn so much when i switched to archery season compared to gun hunting i mean <clears throat> my uncle's property where i hunted at back at home i mean you're sitting in a wooden deer blind yep. and you might hop around to a different blind if there's something open, but the wind doesn't matter because it's just sitting right there and you literally just sit there all day long if you can make it all day.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Or the old, the classic, like carry a, a five gallon bucket with you, sit on the bucket and like lean up against a tree. I know I've done that more more than a handful of times in my youth too. It was like, well, we know this is a decent spot, which it never was a decent spot. It was always a terrible spot. But it was like, yeah, like post up here, uh, or there's like a little homemade ground blind, you know, that, that got built at some point during the summer or early in the fall or something like, that. like it was, it's, it's just a whole different animal, right. Especially in areas where, where you and I grew up, you know, where you're not like, I think about like, you know, mid Michigan and even like some of like the Southern half of the state, like it's a lot more like box blinds, ag fields, you know, like hunting, like big tracks of land where yeah up north like yeah you might be on a big track of land but you're probably hunting a, a pretty small proximity just because of of the actual terrain that you're hunting in
0: oh for sure yeah i mean i know my grandpa would always give me guff he's like well when i was your age my dad would just make me sit on a stump out in the middle of nowhere and, <laughs> <laughs> and now, now we're all wearing thousand dollar camo suits and sitting in heated box blinds and watching tv on her phones i mean i i don't like to do that but well it's it's funny because i remember before i was even able to hunt i would go to my uncle's camp and it would be during september like during bird season i would wake up an hour before sunrise Just so I, and I'd, I'd take my shotgun and I would go sit in a deer blind just to see what deer I could see for the upcoming rifle season. And I would do that all weekend long. Did you,
1: did you ever see anything?
0: Um, I would see a few deer here and there. I mean, I don't remember, I don't really remember seeing any bucks at the time, but I did shoot a lot of birds. in in the more early mornings like that 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 made it kind of nice
1: yeah that makes it worth getting up early that's for sure
0: yeah yeah um and it's kind of funny too because the first deer i ever shot it was it was my uncle and i and my dad i believe at camp that weekend and i was still pretty inexperienced but my my uncle he basically gave me the 270 i shot it that morning just first time ever shooting a rifle and he he brings me out to the box blind, and he's like all right you get one round (laughs) and he's like i'm gonna go back and watch the packer game if you shoot i'll hear it just stay there don't get out of the blind and i'll come and get you so he basically gave me free reign to, to shoot whatever I wanted to, which, which was kind of nice. And back in that time frame too, I mean, you could dump a truckload of corn if you wanted to. Oh yeah. Yep. So that, that's back before they had the two gallon rule. And um, yeah, that was, I ended up shooting a three point, but I, I ended up shooting and I waited for like 40 minutes and you're that, you're that young. Like, your adrenaline's going, you're freaking out. It seems like four hours. It it does. Yeah. And, uh, well, the deer dropped right where I shot him and me being super excited. And like, I waited as long as I thought I could. And I wanted to get out and see the deer and I get out of the blind and I'm walking up towards the deer and the deer stands up, takes off.
1: (laughs) Oh, Jesus.
0: (laughs) So, I'm freaking out I'm like oh man what the heck am I going to tell my uncle so I went back to the blind and I sat down and finally I swear it was like an hour had gone by he finally came over to the field and I didn't (laughs) I didn't tell him the story until years later but um he's like where'd you shoot him and well he dropped right at the right at the bait and he ran in this direction and luckily we ended up finding the deer like 20 yards in the woods but yeah, w- once I told him the full story that I did end up getting out of the blind, he he kind of laughed. He's like, "Yeah, I figured you would anyway." <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, that's that. I at that age, man, like to tell you know, gosh, I mean, I, as a an adult, I have a hard time like sitting yeah. and, and waiting, right? Like it's just the, like you just said, the adrenaline's going, man, and especially if 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 you think you know, if you're pretty sure that you made a good hit on the animal, I mean, I'm thinking back like the, uh, the first decent buck that I shot, uh, with my rifle. I remember I was, uh, it was opening day, um, of rifle season. And there was like four of us hunting on this really small track of land that my in-laws own at the time. It was like, there was like four of us. I'm like, 50 acres with rifles now granted we are all in different spots overlooking different things but it, it, to think about that many guys with rifles on that small piece of a property it's it's kind of comical um right but you know like i'm, I'm sitting there and it's you know half hour after sunlight and all of a sudden like i hear the deer before i even see him, and these three these three deer come busting in like kind of i'm kind of at this little pinch point And it's two does and like not far behind him is this, is this buck. And they get, I mean, my guns on my lap, I'm in a tree stand, like not an actual box blind. So my guns like sitting on my lap and they come like busting in and I'm using, I'm using a single shot, seven millimeter. of Remington. So it's like, it was uh it was like one of those Thompson centers where you could like switch out the barrels. Oh, sure. Yeah. So it was, so it's a single shot. So, this deer comes running in, you know, the buck comes in and they get to like 10 yards. They get right on top of me. And I'm like, oh shit. Like, I didn't even have time to react. Like they were on top of me that fast. So I like instinctually, like just pick up my gun. I start making way too much movement and they like bolts, right? The does, one of the does saw me, they take off and they got, I don't know, I, I, the does disappeared. Uh, they were probably still in range, but I just couldn't see him because I was only watching the buck and he got out to... I don't know, 65 yards or something like that. And he just like was standing there. He didn't know, he didn't know why they ran. He didn't know what was going on. And I was able to get the scope on him, took a shot, you know, and at that point you're, you know, the adrenaline's going, you're like, I, you know, I didn't see him run off. I'm like, did I make a good hit? Like what the hell just happened? So my brother-in-law's on the other side of the property and he's texting me. He's like, was that you? I was like, yeah, that was me. I told him, he's like, all right, we'll give it a few minutes, you know, you know, give it some time. You know, (laughs) climb down and go to where, you know, the deer was standing and, you know, you know, start the whole process. Right. Find blood, hair, whatever. And, you know, the whole this, you know, 15, 20 minutes that I'm waiting, like I'm looking through my binoculars, like it's kind of through some, you know, through some trees and stuff. So, like, I couldn't see anything. I'm like, God, like I didn't even see him run off. Like, there's no way I like just clean missed because if I clean missed, I feel like I would have saw him run off like nothing and so finally i like text him, i'm like i'm climbing down so i climbed down and i like sneak up to it. and sure enough it dropped right in its tracks right like i just heart shot just and at that range you know like i mean that thing just the shock of it just put him on the ground oh yeah but, but it's uh yeah it's an exciting thing man putting that deer on the ground during gun season that's for sure
0: it was always that was always the topper i mean it I got lucky that I, I was in a decent area with, with good deer, deer numbers. And my uncle's property at the time, it, it butted right up to the Wisconsin border, So we would get a lot of deer coming back and forth from Wisconsin over to Michigan and vice versa. Okay. Um, so we always had good deer numbers. So I was pretty spoiled there. Um, and like now, I mean, you get to, when you're hunting public, I mean, that's so different. I mean, I, I actually moved back up to the UP in 2008 um, after three years in the Thumb, and I, I was living on the east side over in Newberry, and that is like a whole nother animal because they're I mean, it's just swamp and state land for as far as you can see.
1: And it's cedar swamps too, isn't it?
0: Oh yeah, and it's it's everywhere. I mean, it's nice because you have so much room to do whatever the heck you want, but at the same time, you're not, you're not hunting by an egg field to where you can pinpoint their movements. So it really made you have to go and scout, find sign, try and figure out where they're moving, when they're moving. Um, That's when I first started doing my, like, when we would get snow on the ground, I would just drive out the middle of nowhere and just cut a track and just start tracking the deer in the snow and hopefully try and catch up to them, maybe catch a glimpse of them. And, um, and then up there too, it was a lot of guys had, had camps North of town. So that part was also fun because you go camp hopping at night and you're jumping from camp to camp and, having a few adult beverages, sure. uh, sure. <laughs> but you're, I mean, the amount of story, uh, it's, that was always the fun part on, on top of the learning a new style of hunting and not just sitting in one spot all the time. And, um, I think, I think hunting the, the really big tracts of you know, state land, um, later on in life, like really, makes you into a better hunter because you really have to learn more. Um, And even, even the smaller tracks of state land with, with the pressure that that it gets from the amount of people that are out in the woods now, um, it it really makes you have to hone your skills a little bit more. Yeah.
1: And I don't know if it wasn't until I, you know, just really started paying attention more or that I became a lot more serious about hunting was, how impressive it is for, you know, guys and gals that kind of continually go out on public land and, and find success, you know, and not just with, oh, they, you know, they, they shot a, you know, a doe or, you know, a young buck, but when they're shooting, you know, these mature deer on public land, I mean, the amount of time that it takes to like learn an area of public, because, you know, you can think you have that thing somewhat figured out going into the season. Right. But, there's likely no other hunting pressure, you know, maybe some guys are out scouting around or something like that, but it's not the same type of pressure as when deer season comes. And for whatever reason, it's like, you know, October 1st comes and like those deer know, right. Like their senses become ultra heightened and, and, and they just, they just know kind of thing. Oh yeah. And to be able to, you know, either use that to your advantage or, you know, adjust to that on the fly throughout the course of the season. I mean like that's, those those like i said those guys and gals that are success or continuously successful uh i have a lot of respect for them because like you just said i mean that's that's tough work
0: oh it is tough i cannot tell you how many hours i have sat in a tree down here bow hunting and i i feel like i don't know if 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 it's from like reading more stuff and listening to more podcasts about deer hunting but Uh, I feel like I just overthink stuff too much and I'll find rubs or I'll find scrapes and then try and figure out where the deer are moving through and okay, where's the bedding at? Where's the other bedding? Where's their food? And uh, I drive myself nuts. I mean, I can't tell you how many days and hours I've sat in the woods and never saw a single thing. (laughs) Yeah.
1: It's almost like paralysis by analysis, right? You just, you overthink things so much because you you start, like you just said, you start to like recall like podcasts or like, you know, hunters or whatever, YouTube videos, whatever it is. Right. And you start like trying to compare your situation to maybe a situation you heard someone talk about and you're like, well, this is what they did. Like, how could I possibly relate that to my situation? Is there a way I could do that? And it's like, man, sometimes you just got to go with your gut. Like, you know, go with, with what you know to be true in terms of like, okay, here's my food. Here's where I know they're betting. Here's where the sign is like, just, you know, try and cut them off one way or the other and just go for it. Right. Like it's, it's, it's tough not to get in your own head with things like that.
0: Oh, I know. I mean, there's, there's many times where I should just follow my gut more and, and I, I do. And I mean, I had some, I had some pretty awesome encounters last year um, with a couple of really nice bucks on, on public, um, but it's, it's still, it's still tough. I mean, even, even if you find where they're moving, um, or, or where they're bedding, I mean, you could sit four or five hours in the morning, and not see anything. You go back in the afternoon and sit for four or five hours and don't see anything. So then you're like, okay, I'm just going to throw a, a dart at the wall here and I'm going to sit from 10 o'clock till four o'clock.
1: <laughs> yeah. That midday stretch when everyone's out of the woods usually, right? right yeah i mean sometimes that's what you got to do you got to think outside the box or you got to switch things up i mean i think it was uh who was oh john dudley did like this um little i don't know if you want to call it like an experiment with ex- exactly that like um i think it was like during the rut or i mean let's just call it, he was in november sometime and granted he's in iowa and granted he's got you know world class property that he hunts but he like made it a point to only hunt from like 10 AM to 2 PM and to see like what he could do and not hunt the traditional times of, you know, first thing in the morning, you know, and in the evening and stuff like that. And I mean, he still, you know, had a bunch of encounters saw, and I think he ended up putting, you know, a a stud on the ground because that's, that's what Dudley does. But it was interesting to see how that worked out, especially, you know, that time of year when, you know i think you just you just need to be in the woods regardless of the time you just need to be out there
0: and that's the thing too i mean <clears throat> i think even doing like that midday sit even just to do like an observational sit i think that's beneficial just to see where the deer are moving through and from where to where are they going um i think that would help. i think that helps a lot and that's one thing i have not done yet this year but I guess that's another thing that makes it tough too. I mean, when you're only hunting weekends or maybe if you get a chance after work to sneak out for the last couple hours before the time change. Um, I mean, you're not, you're not getting a ton of time. And then especially on the weekends when there's other people that are out there walking around and that part makes it tough. I mean, with this, this camp two weekends ago, I mean, we were lucky enough I mean, we saw everybody saw deer every day. Um, but sometimes they were just out of reach or they were just in cover that was too thick to take the shot. Um, but we found them. I mean, everybody found deer, and then it wasn't until the last night that I said we got uh, four guys shot five deer, so that was that was kind of nice. I think it was only there was only one out-of-state guy that shot a deer. The rest of them were Michigan guys, surprisingly. <laughs> I mean, but still,
1: I mean, that's that, that's a good experience all the way around because then you get to, you know, stand around the buck pole. You know, you get to talk about the stories and everything is you know maybe exaggerated a little bit even if you're just shooting does right like just the whole story of everything is is always you know stretched a little bit but i mean that's that's all part of deer camp right i mean that's that's part of it is you know just having everyone just like you know pretty intently listening and kind of waiting for for the uh the shot and all that like that's those are good i mean the story is the best part about all of it it really
0: is oh i know yeah and we actually had a, a pretty stellar uh buck pole or i'm just gonna say deer pole um there was one there was one decent buck shot um one of the guys uh he shot a pretty pretty nice buck um but it it was just kind of cool because we just lashed a a wood pole to two trees and hung them from that like old school style like back in the 20s and 30s and 40s and
1: i like it you just
0: Yeah. You see those old pictures with the freaking giant bucks hanging from them. And that's kind of just what we did, which worked out great.
1: It it just all, it all goes back. It all ties into the experience. So that was two weekends ago. Tell me about, uh, the trip you just got back from today.
0: Yeah. So I hunted this area last rifle season. Um, we actually did a deer camp up there. Um, So there's a group of, a group of us from, from college that went to school up at tech and we all still keep in touch. And one of my buddies lives in, uh, Iron Mountain right now. And he works for an engineering company up there, but his uncle has an, has an old camp up by Marquette. So he always would do a deer camp up there and there were a handful of times where like the group of seven or eight of us would go up there for deer season and, uh, hang out. But last year, for whatever reason, guys couldn't get the time off. So we went to my buddy's place up in Roscommon and we had a pretty, we had a pretty good group of guys, um, up there for, for that camp last year. And that was pretty fun. So this year my buddy just wanted to, go up there and bow hunt for the weekend. So I knew the area a little bit but I still really hadn't even scratched the surface on the terrain, what kind of food was out there, where the bedding was. So I was he kind of has an established spot that he goes to all the time. But I was I was just taking a a shot at the map and like Kind of doing some e-scouting uh, the week beforehand to uh, think of some areas where I think would be good to check out, and um, I ended up getting up there Wednesday or Thursday evening. Um, I had enough time to just take a little walk into a one spot that I picked out, and, and it's weird because a lot of that federal land, if it's not a swamp, it's like six-foot tall pines with six foot tall oak trees and there's no taller trees to get into. And (laughs) I just started hunting out of a saddle last year. Um, so I don't, I don't do the the normal hang on, uh, pick a, a spot for the entire season kind of thing. And I really like the opportunity to be super mobile. So I will go and just walk through the woods with my stuff on my, my backpack And if I find fresh sign, I'm going to probably try and set up on it. So I took a little walk and it was, it was pretty good. I mean, I found a lot of trails crisscrossing through the woods. And then I got up to the swamp edge that I wanted to walk around and I found some beds and, and some cattails and a few fresh rubs from this year. So, but it's so thick. I mean, it is crazy how thick it is in some of these areas where it's just old growth everywhere. And I ended up finding a tree that I wanted to get into. So I, I marked it on my map and ended up meeting my buddy up at camp. He didn't get up there till Friday morning. And uh we actually went and bird hunted in the morning. He's got a German short hair that is an amazing freaking bird dog. Um We flushed a couple birds and she ended up, uh, kicking up a woodcock once, but again, it was, it was so darn windy. I mean, it was, it was pushing around that scent so much. Um, but it was still, it was still fun to just do that midday. And I think that's the other fun part about bow season is you can bow hunt in the morning, come back, grab your dog, go for a bird hunt midday and then hunt, hunt in the afternoon.
1: Yeah. You can get a full day of, of activities in
0: right even though it kind of cuts down on the nap time but (laughs) which is it
1: cannot be understated how important that midday nap is during deer season man Uh, that fresh air man just wears you out it really does it's like
0: ice fishing you ice fish all day in the cold and you come in and as soon as you hit that warm air you're out
1: (laughs) 20 minutes tops right like maybe maybe grab something warm to eat and then as soon as you like hit that chair hit that couch it's game over man it's a wrap
0: yeah, and if you caught any fish that night, you're just throwing them in the snowbank. You're like, I'll clean them in the morning.
1: Yep, <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly it. Keep them in the bucket. Keep them outside. They'll keep. They'll keep till the yeah. morning.
0: Yeah, so I, I actually ended up, literally when I was, the spot that I looked at on Thursday night, I, I was driving out of there, and I was driving past the area that I bow hunted in, which is the six-foot-tall pines with these scrub oaks, and I'm like, you know what? I literally just saw six deer cross the road in front of me. I'm like, I'm going to go in there Thursday, or Friday night. I'm like, why leave deer to go find deer? Yeah, exactly. So I went out there Friday afternoon and I went out earlier because I knew how difficult it might be to try to find a tree to get into. And I was walking around forever I probably walked a mile and I still cannot find a single tree to get into. So (laughs) I ended up looping back around to where I had rifle hunted and there were a couple taller pine trees, but it was so wide open. I had no back cover and it was, I I think the wind was blowing like 25 miles an hour or two. So it was just ripping through there. Um, But I ended up getting up in the tree and the only nice thing was being able to get up in that tree. You could see over top of all the smaller trees. Okay. And I could probably see like 200, 250 yards. Um, and there, there were some openings. Um, and I was kind of on a higher point looking down into the bowl and I didn't end up seeing a single thing that night neither did my buddy in his spot. So, saturday morning i'm like all right i'm gonna go to where i dropped this pin before and like i'm gonna set that spot and see if i can find something coming through um except the one thing i forgot to mention was thursday night i was being stalked by a coyote while i was in there so
1: oh that's always fun
0: (laughs) yeah and i i literally i mean It was so thick with tag alders. I mean, I was walking around and I'm I'm looking for deer signs. You're not really looking for anything else when you're just looking for deer sign. Yeah,
1: you're not really paying attention to your surroundings, yeah.
0: No, so I happened to look up and I was thirty five yards away from this coyote, so I reached for my pistol and I was just gonna shoot him. And as soon as I looked up, like he took off. So unfortunately I wasn't able to take one of those out of the herd. But there are so many coyotes up there. It is unbelievable.
1: Could you guys hear them at night when you were in camp?
0: Every night. Yeah. And yeah. it there there's so many. Like, you'll hear one pack, and they'll start yipping and howling, and then another pack a mile away from them will, will hear them, and they'll start going off. And I don't know if there's many people up there that predator hunt, but, I mean, somebody needs to. I mean, if, if I live closer – i'd be up there every single day
1: <laughs> yeah and that's that can be like a if you're not used to it that can be an eerie sound i remember gosh i think it was actually last year early on in the season when you know you can sit till you know seven thirty, eight o'clock at night um yeah we had some coyotes light up um gosh probably like in the golden hour right in that last hour before before um you know shooting light is out and i mean and they were they were close i mean i would say inside of a half mile quarter mile like they were they were close enough and i don't think they were on our property i think they were on the the bordering property that we were hunting but yeah one of them got a hold of something because you heard some you heard a noise that was almost like made the the hair on the back of your neck stand up right whether they caught a bird or a rabbit or you know something like it was just that noise and you're like ooh That like mother nature is gnarly, man. Like when you start to hear that stuff that just goes on, it's, uh, yeah, it can, it can be a little unsettling, even though, you know, it's, it's a coyote and you know, you're probably going to be all right, but it's, uh, it, it's still, it's one of those things that's always in the back of your mind.
0: Well, when you're out there by yourself and in the middle of nowhere, like your, your senses are a lot more heightened, that's for sure. But it's funny after, after elk hunting, elk hunting out West for, Oh, let's see. This year was my seventh year. Um, coyotes and blackbirds don't even really bother me anymore.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's one of the things I want to talk about because you and I, Pat, actually got introduced to each other, what, three years ago, probably? Um,
0: yeah, it was about that. Yeah. yeah,
1: through a mutual friend, um, Brad Sunholm, who you grew up with, I went to college with, who I'm still good buddies with, who also another youper. And you guys, I didn't even know you guys were going because Brad and I, Sonny, I mean, we text pretty often. And he didn't even, that son of a bitch didn't even let me know that he was, (laughs) that you guys were going out to Colorado. I got to find out on Instagram when you guys get back that you guys took a trip out there, man. So tell me about that. How was it?
0: Oh, that was great. I mean, uh, it was was just so nice to be back out there again. Um, I literally had went out west for six years straight and then last year last summer i ended up uh I ended up having three grand mal seizures and almost took a one-way hunting trip unfortunately but i wasn't able to drive for six months so i i couldn't i couldn't go out west last year so i know brad i mean between him and i talking over the years and i talked to his dad quite a bit because uh yeah like we grew up together we went to different high schools but i mean we played some sports against each other but he was in a a little bit smaller school so we played basketball and baseball against each other and then we played baseball with each other on like the all-star team stuff in the summertime and yeah then growing up like when we'd get older like playing in babe ruth baseball and and all that stuff um you really got like that was the great part about sports. I mean, you were able to meet and become friends with so many other people um, that had the same mindsets and attitudes and stuff. So.
1: Oh yeah, for sure.
0: We kept in touch over the years, and then uh, I knew he had, he would al- he was always going to Colorado with his dad and his uncle, and I think this year was his 11th year going, and up until this point, he had been close a few times. And I'm pretty sure he shot a couple arrows, but he was never able to get an elk yet. Yeah. I'm like, all right. I'm like, we're going to go. And I know he hunts with with his buddy, his other buddy that he shoots uh, indoor league with too. Um, And he went with him last year. So I kind of felt bad. Like, I didn't want to butt in because I'm like, yeah, I want to go out there and hunt with you and help you out. But I don't want to
1: you don't want to invite yourself yeah
0: so well his, his buddy um his name's Josh i know i, I shot with him uh, this summer i came over there and we we shot at, at Brad's club there um he ended up his, his buddy Josh was going out west with his dad on an elk hunt so Brad didn't have anybody to go with him. i was like well let's do it like let's let's get this thing going because I really love to call elk and I ended up shooting elk with my bow back in 2018. So I had already shot one and I knew he hadn't. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to work my butt off because I really want you to get one. Like I'm not even going to buy a tag until you shoot one. So yeah, when we left the 14th, I believe the 13th or the 14th of September. And normally when I go out there, I usually type, like to take two weeks because, man, it could take seven days before you find elk. Right. So, I knew he he only had a short time frame and a, and a small window because he had to get back for a buddy's wedding. Um, I don't know if you would went to that with him or not too, but uh, I think we only had five and a half days total to hunt, so we drove straight out there. Um and then we got rained on the first 2 days which was absolutely miserable. <laughs> like it oh just being soaked. I mean normally the way that I I usually go out there is like I have that that canvas tent, so normally like you set up a base camp and then you just hunt hunt from base camp every day. Yeah. But they have always stayed in a hotel um which was totally fine because you don't know how nice it was to come back to a hotel and dry out all your stuff, put your boots on a boot dryer.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a world of difference. Starting fresh every day instead of stepping into damp boots from the day before. Yeah, that's a big difference. Oh, my
0: gosh. Or, or waking up and it's 30 degrees and your boots are soaking wet and freezing still. Oh, God. Uh, so that was, that was kind of brutal, too, because it really... It really ate up two days of, of hunting with really nothing going on um, other than maybe trying to find some sign. Nothing was really talking. I mean, usually when – I mean, there were thunderstorms. We were getting thunderstorms every day. So that really shut them off, and um, it made it a little hard. But we did end up finally – hearing a bugle on our third day and we ended up dropping down into this Creek bottom because we either thought he was in the Creek bottom or he was up on the other side, close to private. So we dropped into this Creek bottom and we're paralleling this Creek bottom just to keep the wind in our favor. And then, then we heard, well, I, we both heard a bugle, but I'm like, that's a dude. Like I've heard enough luckily i've 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 been able to hear enough bugles unless somebody's really freaking good at calling you can i can kind of distinguish if it's a a guy bugling or an actual bull bugling yeah so i'm like that's a dude so we decided to just keep parallel on this creek bottom and then drop down at the the head of it and then walk our way back up the actual creek um thinking that that bull because we could still hear the bull actually bugling um we didn't end up finding him, but i mean we we were at least able to get down there to see if there's any fresh sign um any rubs or anything like that and we were pretty sure he was up on the other side which it was probably 250 feet down to the creek bottom and another 250 back up to the other side so i think he was over on the either on the, the public right by the private or on the private. And I don't know if it was that day, later that day, we, we came back in the afternoon after we crawled out of the bottom. Um, another thunderstorm came through at like 2.30 in the afternoon. But for whatever reason, after that storm went through, we heard a bugle. It was on the private. Um, so I bugled back at him, which... I was mostly just bugling at him just to see if he'd kind of pop his head out because it was 650 yards of open Prairie. And then it went uphill and there were some Aspen trees on the backside. Well, he ended up being interested enough that he walked up over that backside and he was 300 inches plus. I mean, he was big. So it's it's like, I know there's no way I'm going to be able to call him. 650 yards away and hop a fence just to come over to our side. But I kind of toyed with him a little bit. and He was was bugling back and forth, but he ended up having 30 cows with him.
1: Oh, geez. Yeah, to get him off that's going to be tough.
0: Oh, it was a nightmare. I mean, he wasn't going to go anywhere. And I thought we might have got lucky because all those cows popped up over the hill and they started coming down. And then for whatever reason, they got freaked out and went back up right to where the bull was, but um, we went back to that same spot the next day and he was actually closer to the fence uh, where the public and private meet. And man, I got into a screaming match with him back and forth and I had him fired up and he was probably, he was probably only 80 yards away from us. And I would, I would run up and scream in his face and he'd scream back and I'd cut him off and he'd get mad. And <laughs> But they wouldn't, they would not jump that fence. Like I swear they know where the private property is, and they know where they're safe mm-hmm. because it happens all the time. So yeah, it was, it was kind of brutal. And then at that point we only had like two days left and we're like, yeah, there's a lot of other country we could go look at but this is literally the first bull we heard bugling. Do we really want to leave elk to go and maybe try and find elk?
1: Yeah. Especially when you've got one responding. Now, granted he wasn't closing the distance like he wanted, but at least he's talking to you, right? At least you've got an active bull.
0: Oh yeah. And, and Brad hadn't really had that much close interaction with, with a, with a bull like that before. So, that part was, was kind of nice. But then at the same time, there were a ton of people hunting out there. He said this was the most people he's ever seen in this area since he's been hunting there.
1: Hmm. And this is the same area he's always hunted.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Um, so that part made it tough too. And then that kind of made our decision a little bit easier, easier as it's like, all right, nobody else is really trying to mess with them. Like, like we are. We might as well just keep trying it and see if we can do something. So, I mean, we tried those last two days and I mean, I got in the screaming matches. There were four different bulls that were actually in this group. And I mean, we all if that fence wasn't there, all I needed to do was move in like 40 more yards that we probably could have killed a bull a day for three straight days. But <laughs> that damn fence. It was the fence. It was the force, the force field. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Uh,
1: And I'll tell you what, and I'm sure he's probably going to listen, but there's no, like, first off, Brad may be the nicest guy that I know. I mean, ever since I started like my, the average conservationist in the other podcast, like I would get like weekly texts from Brad being like, Hey bud, great episode. Loved it. You're killing it. You're doing great. Like, He's always ordering stuff like he's just he's he's top shelf, man. The same goes for his dad, too. Like you said, you, you know, his dad pretty well. And I mean, just you you want to see someone like that have that chance at that bull, especially, you know, he's been going out there for a decade now and hasn't know. you know hasn't been able to connect. So good on you to to kind of take that approach of, hey, I'm going to do everything I can to let him, you know, try to get a bull on the ground because Lord knows he deserves it.
0: Oh gosh! I mean, yeah. Of all people, like I, I just, I really wanted him to get one, and I can't tell you how many times I almost passed out from bugling and raking trees, though. <laughs> <laughs> just out of breath, out of
1: gas from raking and blowing and raking and blowing. Yeah, yeah. That's a. Uh, oh god. It's a, it's, it's a workout in and of itself. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, but I mean, even though, I mean, there was one day we actually ended up, we kicked up three cow elk on the public when we were walking this um uh, edge of this meadow um kind of paralleling this fence line and unfortunately i mean they did run out into the meadow but they were like 100 yards away which I know brad's like a really good shot but i mean there's i wouldn't even take a shot at 100 yards at an elk i mean it's yeah. it's not ethical and too many even things can go some, wrong that's yeah that's the other thing too um so even though we didn't get one, I think a lot of the stuff that he was able to hear from me calling, I mean, I'm not saying I'm some friggin' world-class caller, but I'm, I'm pretty decent. Um, between hearing me call and then the Bulls responding and just that interaction, like, I think he, he learned a lot from that. Um, and then knowing some more area too was was a good thing so there were some other spots i really wanted to get into like there was one spot we got we got halfway into it and it was just raining so hard we were sitting in some pine trees and we we needed to go another mile and a half to get to where i really wanted to go and just we just couldn't get in there um it was just brutally wet
1: (laughs) yeah well no that's i mean that's hunting, though, right? I mean, I think when you got back, you were you and I were exchanging some messages, and you were kind of giving me a bit of a breakdown. But I mean, that's just the way it goes sometimes, right? Like sometimes things are in your favor and they work out. Sometimes they don't. I mean, that's why it's hunting. That's why we love it. That's why we continue to to go back out there, hike our butts off, you know, for for just that chance for that that one encounter. That's all we need, right?
0: And that's the thing that that is that is the key, and that's why you. Uh you put in the hours of scouting and working out and boots on the ground and hours in the stand. I mean, you're just, you're waiting for that one chance.
1: Yep. Yep. All right, Pat, before I let you get out of here, man, what does the rest of your season look like? I mean, we're, you know, mid October here. Do you have any more like vacation or rutcations planned or are you just going to kind of take it as it comes and, and see what's what?
0: Um, I mean, I plan on still hunting the weekends uh, here in Michigan with, with the bow and, and try and get out after work when I can. Um, I'm actually heading to Wyoming with uh, another buddy of mine November 4th, which kind of cuts into the primetime time. Yeah, a, little time bit. But, a
1: little bit. <laughs>
0: uh, it was just another, another chance to go out west for a week, and I don't have a tag, per se, right now. Um, he has a mule deer slash whitetail tag so he asked me to come along I'm like you know what I'll go west for another week and I'll be a a bino man and a meat hauler I don't care
1: (laughs) yeah I mean and worst case like you gain a little intel you get a you know some more you get some experience you know on the mule deer side of things instead of elk so yeah I mean worst case scenario you come away with just you know more experience more intel for when whenever you decide to to kind of do that same hunt and, you know, down the road. So yeah, it's, I can't say that I would turn that down either, to be honest.
0: No, I'm, I'm looking forward to it to go back out a second time. And I've never, I've never hunted in Wyoming yet. So it'll be, that'll be a little bit different. Um, and then we're coming back the 13th of November and then I'm actually going to head back up to Newberry, um, to one of my buddy's camps that I used to hunt that up there. And then, uh, I'll go stay at his camp for a few a few days and do a little bit of hunting and probably go home for Thanksgiving cuz I'll only be 3 hours away at that point um and just kind of hang out up there and hopefully I can get something because I need to fill my freezer because it's empty right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I was we pulled some some ground some ground burger out today to make some sloppy joes and I was like, "Ooh, I am dangerously lower I think I have like two more rolls of of venison like ground venison left I got a few steaks and I've been saving the tenderloin even though it's one of my favorite my favorite cuts I mean like most people I've just I haven't had kind of the what I would call like the right opportunity to eat it I just haven't wanted to I wanted to keep saving it but I'm, I'm down to very little so
0: oh yeah <laughs> I might
1: have to I might have to punch a dough early this year just to just to kind of get the uh, get the freezer back to to somewhat homeostasis level.
0: Oh, uh, I haven't even had a chance to shoot a dough yet, but yeah, I think I have here. a little bit. I have a little bit of grinding meat left, and I'll probably I make my own breakfast sausage, so nice. I'll probably I'll probably use it for that, but no, I'm the first the first dough I see is is going to get an arrow flung at it. I can tell you that. There you go. I like where your heads at, Pat. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. all right man well i'm gonna let you get out of here it's sunday night we got to work in the morning but dude i appreciate the time talking about deer camp exchanging some stories i always enjoy that best of uh luck the rest of the season and uh you know out west safe travels out there and uh look forward to talking to you again man
0: yeah appreciate it yeah definitely chat again
1: yeah all right pat take it easy man all right man you too all right, well there you go, everybody. Uh, big thanks to Pat for uh, joining me and talking about Deer Camp this week. Um, be sure and stick around next week. Um, got some more great episodes coming, especially uh, as deer season rolls along here. Um, be sure to like, subscribe, follow all that good stuff with the podcast. Um, I appreciate everyone that's listening uh, and that's tuning in each week to uh, hear about some great, uh, great stories uh, from you know different residents all throughout the state of Michigan here. So. Till next week, Michigan, stay wild.